Well, hi, my name is Luke Crane. Um, I wanted to share a little bit about me. I work here at the church. Um, I am 31 years old. Whoop! Means nothing. Okay, good. Um, I am going to lace this talk with jokes, my personal humor, and I am personally giving you permission to laugh. So you have it, all right? Oh, you're that person. Yes, Simon says the game's over. There we go. I respect that. I respect that. You're just holding on. All right. Um, so I am married. Uh, I got married. It'll be 10 years this December. Whoop. We did it. For t- <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, when about, I guess it was about two and a half years after getting married, we decided to take the leap of responsibility. And we got uh, a dog. Right? They say, oh, it's so cute. It's a German shepherd. Her name is Nova. She's a, she's a good girl. She's like seven now. I don't even know. She's old. Um, and then about uh, two and a half years ago, we decided to take the next leap of faith. And this guy came along. <laughs> oh, my God. Right? So he looks just like me with his blonde hair. And his brown eyes slash blue eyes. He's got blue eyes. I have brown eyes. And you can see my hair is not blonde. He looks just like me. <laughs> but he's mine. Promise you. He's all mine. So he's, he's a, a lot of fun. A lot of fun to play with. He's two, he'll be three in August. Um, he has two jokes that he likes to tell. I would like to share one of them with you. Knock, knock. There? Interrupting cow. Moo. See? And he's on point with delivery, too. It's like interrupting Cal, moo, and he just keeps it going, yeah. Um, so that, those are one of his two jokes that he loves to tell. Well, there are uh, a couple of different kinds of talks that you can give, or sermons, or whatever they call this. Uh, I could give one that's going to like radically flip your perspective on something and you read it one way, but today we're going to read it this way. And it's just like all sorts of stuff. Um, or I could reveal some kind of small itty bitty, uh, minute thing like, Oh, well actually the mustard seed really stands for your internal pride. And because it's smallest, it grows big. You get the idea. Um, I could do that, but today I'm going to talk to you about something um, that you need to hear. It's one of those talks that you just have to hear it over and over and over. Uh, there's a fun phrase in leadership. It's like vision leaks, like the vision of things, like, uh, like here in student ministry. Like they always are talking about the same stuff because guess what? It starts to leak out after a little while and you forget about it. This is one of those talks that uh, this topic of grace continually kind of leaks out of us Um, And we forget about it, and we need to be reminded of it. And so we're going to be reminded of it today. I'm excited. So here's my question. Have you ever done something so wrong that you will regret it for the rest of your life? Don't nod or anything. Just think about it. Noodle it around. Or here's another question. Possibly something you'll never forgive yourself for. Have you ever done something so wrong that you'll regret it for the rest of your life or something that you'll never forgive yourself for. I know I have. Um, So let me set the stage of our passage. We're going to be, for those of you, I've always wanted to say this, are you ready? Turn on your Bibles. 
See what I did? Because this phone's... One laugh. I'll take it. Uh, We're going to be in John chapter 21. Not 22. 21. Because there's not 22 chapters in John. Here's the setup. Okay? Two main characters. One of them you've heard before. One of them's name is Jesus. Heard it? Nice. I see that hand. The other one, his name is Simon slash Peter. Simon Peter. We call him Simon Peter throughout the whole Bible. He's Simon Peter. But his real name is Simon. Jesus gave him the Peter name. All right? So we have Simon Peter or Simon or Peter. I'm going to refer to him as all sorts of stuff to try to confuse you. No, not really. Just Simon Peter. That was one of the interjected jokes that you're supposed to laugh at. It's going to help me. It's not going to help you. So uh, Simon Peter was a disciple of Jesus. We know this. Um, He is one of my favorite disciples because he's like one of those all-out, gung-ho kind of disciples. And what he does so well is he puts his foot in his mouth so well and so often that when I read it, I just go, yes, my man, because I do that too. Let me give you an example, right? Jesus, disciples, he's washing feet, stinky, nasty feet, and he's washing them. He gets to Peter, like gets ready, and Peter's like, no, 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 no. You're not going to wash my feet, right? You back up. I don't know if he had a foot thing or whatever, but you're not going to wash my feet. And basically Jesus goes, oh, you're going to do that? Okay. Well, if I don't wash your feet, then you're not part of me. Peter's like, foot. well, then wash my hands and wash my whole head. Wash all of me then. Just foot in mouth. Um, The other one, this one I really like, is uh, they're all together. It's right before Jesus is going to die, and he tells all his disciples how he's going to die, and then he says, somebody is going to betray me. And basically, Peter goes, uh, in modern day terms, this is not, this is the LIV, Luke International Version. He's basically like, oh, that's cute, Jesus. See, these guys might, not this one. Who's got two thumbs and is not going to betray you? This guy, (laughs) right? And Jesus says, I'll tell you what, you are going to betray me, in foot and mouth part, and you're going to betray me three times, not once, not twice, but three times before the rooster crows tomorrow, and it happens. So Peter's our man. Jesus is in the picture. Let me give you a backstory. Jesus was born. Good. I see nods. Jesus lived, had ministry called the disciples. Jesus died. Insert, oh, boo. I'll take that. Jesus rose again. Now you're catching on. Now you're catching on. Let's try again. Jesus died. How dare you? Jesus rose again. Yeah, yeah, it's a plus. Okay, so he rose again, and then he appeared multiple times to different people. This is one of his appearances. Um, Actually, the third one. So the first one was to a couple ladies and then the disciples that night, but Thomas wasn't there. Doubting Thomas, y'all know the phrase? Whose name is Thomas? So sorry. (laughs) Right? Doubting Thomas, don't worry. Everyone's my father. It's fine. Okay, so doubting Thomas says, I don't believe you. Jesus didn't come unless I touch his wounds, then I'll believe you. So second time, Jesus comes back and is like, saddle up, Thomas, here we go. Come on, touch him. So then it's real. This is the third time Jesus reappears to the disciples. 
So the disciples are out. They're in a boat. Peter, one of them was like, I'm bored. Let's go fishing. So they hop in a boat. They go out. And it's not like fishing like, you know, the old fly rod or the rod and reel with the spinner bait. No, oh, I got a 40-pound bass. Not that kind of fishing. It's like a net. And you're like, Meh. please be fish, please be fish, please be fish, please be fish. Oh, look, a shoe. Right? So they're out. They're fishing. A bunch of guys in a boat. And Jesus is on the shore. They, they don't recognize him. I don't know why. Whether he appeared differently or he was far away or what. But he goes like this. L-I-V. Right? Hey. They're like, hey. <laughs> Not that kind of hey. You guys catching any fish? Nope. Take a look at the net. Obviously not. It's like, cast it on the other side, which is one of Jesus's, you know, it's like a play in the playbook, right? He's done this before. So they cast it on the other side and they're pulling in massive amounts of fish. And that, the Bible actually says not just small fish, but big fish. Okay, so they're pulling in big fish. And one of them, I don't know if he like recognized it or he goes, oh, Jesus has done this before. <gasps> That's Jesus, right? I don't know what that was like, but all I know is Peter got wind of it and went, Jesus, there, Boop. boom, and he like swans off the boat. This is my, <laughs> the swan. I guess swan is that way, I don't know. So he swans off the boat, and I'm pretty sure all the other disciples are thinking, um, we have fish to bring, oh, you're just going to swim, but we have, okay, bye. And they're like hauling in fish. Uh, so he swims to shore, gets to shore, and I don't know what it's like, uh, it's probably like a little tense, a little awkward. It's just Jesus and Peter on the shore. Jesus has built a little fire. I don't know if he was like, fire, or if he actually built it. I have no idea. Bible doesn't tell us that. I like to think that he went, fire, and it just appeared, because he can do that, because he's Jesus. So uh, they're on shore. The other guys pull in the, pull in the boat, and they come up, and they're having breakfast, okay? And that brings us to our verse. We're in verse 15 of chapter 21 of John. Here's what it says. It's going to be on the screen. When they had finished breakfast of fish, who had fish for breakfast? That's what I thought we would know. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Short little passage, short little, little bit there, only what, four verses? But what we need to do is put ourselves, when we read the Bible, we either have to do a couple things. We either read it in the context of the people which who it was written to, right? So if you're reading Ephesians, 
You have to think, okay, what was going on in Ephesus? Uh, why, did, why did they use this language? What, what does this analogy mean? Because you have to put yourself in their shoes. Here, in a story, like in the Gospels, what we have to do is kind of feel it a little bit, like Peter may have felt it. So this is what I imagine. Do you think that either when he, from the moment he did it, and the moment that Christ died, even when he rose again, that he had the denial of Jesus on his mind, right? I've made mistakes in life, right? When I say uh, I've done things that I don't know if I'll forgive myself of, um, here's one that I have, but it's, it was bad, right? So uh, a mom asked me to watch over her high school son. He could drive, he had an allowance, he could pay for whatever he wanted, but she just didn't want him to spend the night alone while they were out on vacation, so I said, absolutely, I'd love to. Uh, that was like two weeks later. I had just worked the entire day and I was dog tired. I forgot, I'll be honest with you. And then he called me and said, hey, are you coming over? And I was lazy. And basically I said, yeah, well, you know, you're in high school. Are you okay? Are you all right? And like any person would do, he's like, yeah, I'm fine. Perfect, I'll call you in the morning. I didn't call him in the morning. Because his mom called me first, and she was not happy. Because I decided to be lazy and go back on my word, and I fell asleep in my bed instead of just driving five minutes to his house and sleeping on a couch or something. And that, when she called that, y'all know this feeling, it's, I'm gonna, this is the audible part of it, but it's a feeling, it's, It's like all of you, like that gut-wrenching, and you just don't feel good, and you have to squirm a little, because it just doesn't feel good when you let someone down, or you've got that, um, you know that you've messed up. It's that feeling, right? It's like trying to cheat on a test and getting caught. But that's never happened to anyone here. (laughs) Ever. So, I don't think, uh, I've, I've never forgotten that moment, I've never forgotten that feeling, and I've never forgotten that moment. And I'm wondering, if that's just a small thing, what do you think Peter's feeling? He denied the Son of God three times. Not even that, but Jesus said he was going to, so somewhere in his mind you have to think, be on the guard, be on guard, be on guard. Nope, don't know him. Like somewhere along the way, that's like even heavier. I am for sure positive that it was on his mind. And I'm wondering if he's thinking things like this. Does Jesus still love me? Am I still a follower of his after messing up that big? Or am I still fit to be a follower of Jesus after messing up that big? Right? Have you ever thought those questions? Have you ever messed up and gone, does Jesus still love me? Am I still a follower of him? And do I even deserve to be a follower of him? I want to point out some interesting things in the passage. I, um, side note, I, I am a big fan of the Bible. Like all of you, I can tell. I'm a big fan of the Bible, and I think it's so cool and so curious and like magical how all the different parts interweave and like fit into each other. Um, I love that, and there are a bunch of little ones here. Okay, so if I'm putting myself into Peter's shoes, um, this is probably some of the stuff that he was feeling, okay? When Peter betrayed Jesus, anybody know where he was standing or what he was standing by? Anybody remember them? 
a fire. I heard it. Somebody said it. Or maybe not. I just said it. A fire. Um, He was standing next to a fire when he denied Jesus. Now we look at our passage and guess what? There's a fire. You think somewhere Peter's like, there's a fire there and there's a fire here. (gasps) How about this one? Peter denied Jesus three times. And how many questions did Jesus ask him? How many times did he say, do you love me? Three times. Do you think after that third one, Peter's going, it's over. Maybe he'll turn me into stone. Maybe I could be a pillar. Hmm. Maybe it'll be salt and I'll like dissolve. Right? I don't know. But I know he's probably thinking, this isn't going to be good. This is the big one. Uh, How many parents have ever used your full name when calling you? Yeah, is it a good sign or a bad sign? Generally a bad sign. Okay. Peter's original name is Simon. Right? Jesus gave him the name Peter. When Jesus is talking to him here, what, what name does he use? Simon, son of John. It's actually Simon Bar-Jonah. Simon, son of John. He doesn't call him Peter. He calls him Simon, the name he gave him before he was a follower of Christ. Do you think Peter recognized that? Yes, that's the answer. So if I'm putting myself in his shoes, I'm really confused. First question Jesus asked me is, do you love me? And I say to myself, Yes, I love you. Oh, we got it out. Okay, we're okay. We're okay. And then he says, feed my lambs. I'm like, done. I can do that. Are we good? We cool? We cool, man? No? Okay. Then he asks him again, do you love me? And somewhere in his mind, I'm sure he's like, we just did this. (laughs) Cool game. Not cool. Cool, not cool. Okay? And he says, yes, I love you. You know I love you. Tend my sheep. He's like, all right, is that it? We got two? Are we good now? Then he goes into the third, feed my sheep. And so after the third one, it actually says Peter was grieved because he asked him a third time. So in his head, what do you think is going around? Things like, um, what's going on? Am I going to be turned into a pillar of salt? Um, Maybe he's going to kick me out. Maybe he's going to ask me as many times as he needs to. He has no idea. But then the bigger curveball is only Jesus can do he basically tells him how he's going to die in only the Jesus cryptic way that he can. He says, truly I say to you, when you were young, you dressed yourself and walked wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Anybody know how Peter died? Yeah? How? He was crucified upside down. Anybody know what a crucifixion position looks like? Arms stretch wide. Someone will stretch out your arms and they'll clothe you differently and they'll carry you where you do not want to go. So he tells him how he's going to die. So Peter's mind right now, okay? Anxiety is here at first question. Second, do you love me? Third, do you love me? And now Jesus is telling me how I'm going to die. Anxiety's a little high, okay? We're feeling it right now. And then in verse 19, it's the smallest verse out of the whole passage, but it's the most powerful. And here's how I picture it happening. After he said this to him, Jesus says, follow me. And I bet you Peter just goes, 
Why? Because in Matthew, when Peter and his brother were in a boat, Jesus called out to them and said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me. And that was the invitation to be a disciple under Jesus. And so for him at the very end of this, anxiety, 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 how you're going to die, and then for him to say, follow me. I'm guessing he just, it's just has wonderful relief to go, he still wants me to be a disciple. And what he does with that statement, what he does with follow me, is he extends the invitation once again. And by doing this, he gives grace to Peter's biggest mistake of his life. He gives grace. He says, you're still my disciple. Come follow me to the biggest mistake in Peter's entire life. One that was probably eating him alive. And so here's what I want to ask. Same question that I asked in the beginning. Are you holding on to something that's too big for God to forgive you? Or another one, are you running from God because of your regret? Like you don't want to deal with it, you're just running. I really like what this author wrote. His name's Kyle Eidelman. It's going to be on the screen. The worst thing that could happen is that you spend your life trying to outrun God because you think he's chasing you to collect what you owe when he's really chasing you to give you what you could never afford. Let that one sit for a second. I'm going to read it again. The worst thing that could happen is that you spend your life trying to outrun God because you think he's chasing you to collect what you owe when he's really chasing you to give you what you could never afford. And that's grace. So Jesus is telling Peter that his plans, Jesus' plans are bigger than Peter's regrets and that his grace, Jesus' grace, is much more powerful and has the power to redeem any regrets he has. So we know that Peter goes on, right? Peter goes on to do what? Phenomenal things. He's like sold out more than any other person is sold out for Jesus, so much that he dies upside down on a cross because he's not worthy to be crucified like Jesus. I mean, like, And I think that he was freed by grace. I think, I think he was holed up in his regrets. And in Jesus' statement to follow me, he gave him freedom once again to go do far more than he could have imagined. That he freed him by grace. And here I want to be careful. And I want to talk about regret and remorse and what's healthy and what's not healthy. Okay, when you do something wrong, you feel bad, yes? Okay, that's remorse. Remorse is okay. You're supposed to feel bad. If you don't feel bad, come and talk to somebody because that's kind of an issue. Okay? When, when you do something wrong, you should feel bad. You should have remorse. Okay? But we can't stay in remorse. Anybody ever met a sad person that's always sad? Oh, that's Betty. She's always sad. I think of like the, what's that animated movie where sadness, right? Inside out, yeah. She's just always sad, just dragging people everywhere, right? That's probably because regret is eating that person alive. So, Grace can free us of that. 
So you can feel bad, but you can't stay there because staying there is unhealthy. You have to realize that God's grace is bigger, is bigger for Peter, and it's bigger for you. And when you catch it, when you catch God's grace, it's, it's awesome. It's beautiful. Here's what regret is like. Okay, here's what regret is like. Y'all, y'all hang with me because this is good stuff. You're, you're not going to get better than this. I love how God has made us fearfully, wonderfully made. Y'all, y'all know the whole passage, right? Okay, all parts of how we're made is cool. Let me show you one of the coolest parts. These are called eyebrows. <laughs> right? Picture this. It's a hot day in Houston. Sweat pouring down your forehead. In your eyes, nay. Why? Eyebrows. God knew what he was doing, right? And I think, uh, I think he gave us scars, right? We have these things called scars. I think he gave us scars to help teach us about regret and forgiveness and remembrance, right? If I'm in my kitchen and I'm twirling steak knives, never done that before, don't worry, all 10, okay? And I'm twirling steak knives and I miss and I cut my hand. I've cut my hand before. There's a scar right here. Okay, in the moment, does it hurt? Nice. Yes, it does. Uh, a week later, does it still hurt? Mm-hmm. But what does it do over time? It heals. And then what is left? A scar. This thing doesn't hurt, but it's still there. And what I think is God created scars, I like to think, just one reason. I think he created scars to help us remember what we had done so we won't do it again. And so that's kind of like um, when you do something wrong, it's fine not to forget. I'll never forget that I uh, did not go and be a man of my word and hang out at Matt's house that night. I'll never forget. And that's okay. I've forgiven myself. I know God's forgiven me. Parents have forgiven me. Everything's good there. But I'll never forget. And that's okay. But if you're wallowing in like remorse, that's not okay. So when you catch God's grace, here's how I envision it. And, and there's a video of how I envision it. You're going to watch this. and mm. I envision it like this. If you're living in remorse and you've got pain, and you don't even realize it sometimes, okay? It's like when you come out of that and you realize that God's grace is bigger, because it was bigger for Peter who denied Jesus. Anybody else denied Jesus three times while he's being crucified and he told him he was going to do so? That's what I thought. I think Peter's is bigger right? So if you're holding on to this remorse and you're just holding on and then you realize God's grace, I think it looks like seeing color for the first time. Watch this video. This guy sees color for the first time. Don't break it. And he's old, so he takes forever to open the box. Colorful, the colorblind. Oh, I am colorblind. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So these are these are special glasses. You're cute. That I've been engineered that when people wear them that are colorblind, you get to see color just like we all see. Like these. And it came with balloons and all that. Oh my. I can put these on. Yeah, it'll. You'll see color. This is what it was supposed to be. It'll like how
Direct your eyes so that you'll see how it's supposed to sit. It's so clear, I can't believe it. Daddy, you hate it? See the balloon color? <laughs> Papa, look at the hat. Oh my god! It's not pink, is it? He was so colorblind he thought his blue hat was pink. For the first time he saw color. That's what I envision when you catch grace, when you catch it for the first time, or even just afresh anew when you've been wallowing in remorse. That's what it's like. So in every situation where you feel like you've fallen short... I just want you to know that just like for Peter, Jesus is looking at you and once again saying, follow me. Not as a command like, come follow me or else, but as an invitation saying, you're still mine. Come and follow me. We're going to take a second and you guys have cards under your, under your seats. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a second. And I don't want you to write down your remorses because you know what those are. They're not for anybody else to steal your card and take a look. But here's what I want you to write down. It could be, thank you, Jesus, for grace. It could be, Lord, help me to see your grace more. Lord, show me grace. Whatever you want to write as a little reminder that, man, I, I need grace. Just like, just like the man had never seen color. I want grace. I need grace. And I need to, to feel that in my heart. So take a second, write it down. Whatever your prayer is. on writing if you haven't written anything yet just take the blank card write something later write something when you think about it i'm gonna pray for us father thank you thank you for sending your son to die on a cross that he rose again for the forgiveness of sin that he washed us in grace lord help us to realize that forget, Lord. You don't want us to run with those burdens. Lord, help us. 
Lord, we know that grace is a gift. And a gift you can either choose to accept or you can ignore it. You can, we can walk by and just hold on to our regrets thinking that they're bigger than your grace. Lord, would you change our hearts to accept the free gift of grace. Lord, we love you so much. Help us to receive your grace today. It's in your name we pray.